Katie Kempner, and welcome to Perspectives. Today is an especially exciting episode for me because I am talking to one of my best friends in the world, internationally acclaimed jewelry designer and artist, Virginia Prashnik. Virginia, welcome. Hello, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. This is very special because as, as I am one of your closest friends, I'm also a great fan and it's an honor to be here. You are too nice to me. You know, when I said you're an internationally acclaimed jewelry designer, it really is true. And sometimes when you're so close with someone, you're very proud of them, but you don't even really recognize all the accomplishments they've had. And when I look at this very long list of awards that you've won as a jeweler throughout your career, from De Beers, from the Platinum Guild, from American Pearl, from so many jewelers of America, so many industry awards that really show what a terrific designer you are. And then I toggle over and look at this whole other long list of where your art has been displayed. I mean, I've gone many places to see it at Art Basel many times and different galleries, but it's it's so impressive. Thank you. So let's start. Where should we start? Let's start by talking about your career as a jewelry designer and an artist and sort of, as you said, the duality of your life. Let's let's talk a little bit how those two things work together. Well, it is um, the jewelry part, which I love, and and this is this is what I can do, right? Um, it has a purpose. It has um, measurements. It has precision, um, and then it has you know it has to be wearable. It has so besides the design, it's all the engineering behind it. Um, and of course, the, the critique that it needs to be in a certain way to be perfect. And, and that for me, jewelry needs perfection. Now, when we talk about creating art, painting or sculpting, uh, there is a freedom about this. And, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I always, uh, as with a background in art, you always tend to, you know, go and do what, you know, your, your career is all about. But then you ha- you have that scape, that thing that um, it doesn't matter if it, nobody can tell me it needs to be one millimeter off this way or it is what you're feeling. It's a, a way to express something. Then that makes a difference between the two worlds. So can we start a little bit by talking about your work as a jewelry designer? So you explain the difference, but what is it? What is it you do every day? Well, it starts, everything starts with an idea. Um, If it is a collection, it starts with uh, a group idea, doing research first, like everything that you you start doing research and see uh, how we're going to accomplish this. Let's say we're going to make a collection of earrings. So I look into uh, how is the hair going to be worn this year? What, how is the length? Because that's what we're going to see. What are the next that we're going to be seeing? So just to have ideas, right? And so we know we're going to go long if we're going to go large and button. And then um, materials. What is, you know, the, the colors of the year? What, you know, what else is going on? Let's say even in interior design, what are the trends? Are we seeing more organic? Are we seeing more? And from there, 
you take it all, you absorb it, and then you sharpen your pens and you go to work and you start sketching. That's the first uh, part. Once you sketch, my next step is um, I used to do a lot of things freehand, um, wax carving. Um, and then, of course, we became, uh, we embraced the 21st century and computers, and I had to go back and study CAD, which is, it's amazing what we can do with that. And so we, uh, we make a mold or a model, and from there we, we work it from wax to metal, and then we get with all the uh, the people that work with us because one piece it does, I mean it's not just the work of one person. This is like an orchestra because I can make a great design, but if the casting is not good, we have to start from zero. If the jeweler does not do a precise does not do a precise work, it's not going to be a good piece. Or if the setter, so everything needs to be. Uh, in a harmony, we have to work as a group together and everybody's going to be proud of that amazing piece that is going to come out. So your jewelry, for people that may not know you, your jewelry is worn by some of the most powerful and wealthy people here in America and other, and really around the world. And just a little tip, um, when someone's looking to invest in a good piece of jewelry, whether it's thousands of dollars or not, but to them you know, is a big investment, what should they look for? The first thing I would say, of course, you have to love it. You ha- it, there, it has to be something that you're attracted to. But the main thing is the quality because the quality, uh, this is an investment, like you said. Uh, this investment in 20 years, in 50 years, it will still carry its value if the materials that they were done with, if the craftsmanship was, uh, uh, you know, per- perfect, this will hold its value and it will increase in value. Uh, if you're just buying something that is not quality, that is not going to last uh, a year or so, it will at the end just be the, the cost of the metal, which, you know, it happens a lot. Um, so I would say invest in quality and uh, I think in quality, it's, it's uh, n- not just the stones, but the manufacturing too. Virginia, are people still investing in jewelry now during these COVID times? You'd be surprised. There is a lot of people that are looking to buy um, jewelry, especially heavy in gold, mm-hmm. um, because there is a lot of talk about investment in gold. And a lot of wives say, well, listen, if you're going to invest, I'd rather wear it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I agree with that. Why not? (laughs) And women that are buying for themselves. So art used to be art for, you know, I guess your friends, me being one of them, we used to uh, think of your art sort of as your side hustle or just your your passion, and really it's blossomed into a huge part of your career and you're so, so incredibly talented. Um, You say in your artist statement on Saatchi Art and a lot of other places, you know, that where your work is exhibited and you have to put an artist statement, right in the beginning you say, my stories are told without words so you can listen with your eyes. Can we talk about what that means? Well, 
it is uh, it's exactly what it says um as as an artist uh create creating this this is my uh, artist it's my communication of choice um not not only it's easier for me but it's it's like the statement said because i have the freedom of of do something i'm not just uh, telling you uh word by word uh, a story i am putting something out there with with my emotions and my feelings for you to listen to it but listen it to with with your own eyes so it's going to be a story i'm going to tell a story one way but you're going to understand it the way that you understand it with your own emotions i don't know if that makes sense but um that basically that that's what i'm trying to say it's much easier for me to express something in painting uh than than with words and the style of painting that you do is so labor intensive. Could you talk about that a little bit? You know, when I first saw your paintings, I just figured you did them with a brush, but you don't. <laughs> no, um, no. And and then I'll, I'll tell you a little something uh, behind that. Um, actually, my, you know, my, my mom was an artist and my dad was like the, the best critic. We, we live, we grew up in an artist. Um, my mom's art studio and my dad was the big critique of everything um which actually helped us a lot because that's what that's where we grew up and that's how we learned to um create and um of course we always look for the approval of our our parents and after many many awards that i have won always looking for my dad's approval and then you know he was impressed with the jewelry but the paintings is like, well, you know what? And I must have been like in my late twenties um, here, and he gave me a set of uh, uh, palette knives, and he's like, you can do a lot better with palette knives. It's just gonna take you longer. And I took on that, which it was a challenge back then, and I never went back because it is a lot more time-consuming, but what you get with the palette knife is a lot of texture, and it, it's just, it gives a distinct character to the painting that you can create a lot of contrast with the colors and, and the textures, so it, it's, it's different. <laughs> it, it allows me to emphasize an experiment with the colors. And I should say, um, which probably won't be a surprise to anyone, you didn't grow up here, you grew up in Uruguay, right? That's correct. Yes. I, I was born in Uruguay. So, and you, I mean, both of your parents were so creative. Your mom, um, she is a Martha Stewart. I remember her <laughs> telling me when she was the Martha Stewart of Uruguay, right? Yes, yes. She, she um, uh, from sculpture with I mean, she, glass, wood, it, I mean, and she has this, she had this amazing studio. She used to have a TV program that she used to um, not just teach, but also her thing was to teach about art history because we have to look from where we come from in order to go where we're going. Um, so, yeah. And <laughs> 
she was she was very good at it too. So what inspires you to create? Well, it it's like it's like a bug. Um, some sometimes it, and the thing is, I I work in series. When you work in series, it's like the whole thing. It takes over your head. Let's say. Um, the series of the story in their eyes. You're familiar, but no, nobody knows what I'm talking about. But it's inspired by the children's eyes, children, and not just any children, but by uh, children that are struggling. Uh, so if if I get uh, something calls my attention, something it, it's like I need to I need to talk about this. And of course, since I not good at talking, better at painting, I start doing a study of what I'm going to work with. Once I find that, it's like a fever that comes over and 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 it's like one after the other and you can't stop. It's hard to stop. <laughs> like for instance, the, the story of, um, I call it stories, right? Uh, local stories. I started looking at our coast we're having problems that everything that is it was happening uh, with our beaches last year being eroded and being um, polluted. And I said, we need to I need to put this in painting before it becomes um, uh, uh, just a memory and bring awareness. So as much as it it was nice paintings of, of our local things, it could be uh, walk in Miami Beach or the the lighthouse or I wanted that was my focus and once I once you start with this it's it's impossible to stop because you're there all the time so that's the beautiful coral painting well the coral did. paintings is this year save our save our oceans yes and um, they were selected by uh, a, a group in Washington, but that was just for uh, recognition. But all that uh, series is going to be donated to the Ocean Conservancy uh, to work for awareness because our colors are disappearing and they're bleaching. And, and that's my way to bring awareness to this, uh, trying to help any, any way we can. Well, your art has been exhibited several times at Art Basel. It's been exhibited at many galleries um, all over from Florida to Oregon to uh, other countries. Where is some of your art being exhibited right now? Well, right now, now <clears throat> uh, some pieces were selected to be at the uh, Capitol in Tallahassee. Uh, in the um, Department of Agriculture, and they like it because it, it's from our local local stories. So it, it shows our beautiful places, not just beaches, but other places that we have uh, here. And, and it's good to bring about uh, respect to these places. Uh, then recently, and this is going to be a, a two-year-long exhibit um they're selected to be at the embassy of um uh in in oman uh the united states embassies in oman 
and that's going to be a two-year term. And it was selected also some um, seascapes and uh, from local stories. That's amazing. Well, switching gears a little bit, you're the mother of a beautiful and very successful daughter, Mariana, very successful in her own right. You're grandmother to <laughs> David, cutest kid around. You, you know, between the jewelry designing, which you actually work with your husband, which could be a whole other episode of working with your spouse and your painting and your personal life. How do you balance all of this, especially now during this very stressful yeah. COVID well, time? Um, I, I guess the key words here are organization, routine, and uh, prioritizing. Uh, because for instance, like you remember, uh, Mariana being a little girl and I would work long hours because I had, you know, all these things to do. And then you have to watch the homework or, you know, take him to the little league. Uh, but the prioritization was the only thing that I think, uh, helped me and saved my life. And even now, uh, for me to go to my studio and spend time uh, on my paintings, I need to have a clear head. So everything else that is in my calendar, in my schedule, I need to accomplish it. So I put first thing first, and I don't walk downstairs until my head is clear that, because once I start that, it could be eight hours and I don't stop. I don't notice uh, time or, or even if I notice that I didn't drink water for six hours. So I think prioritizing and routine, I think that that's what helped me. Yeah. So you're focused on one thing and then you move to another thing. I mean, you know, I just, I just touched on stress and for a lot of reasons, this has been a obviously incredibly stressful time. You're a person that deals with stress and anxiety in their life. I'm a person that deals with that in my life. Uh, many people are, even before this particularly strange time in the country and the world, really. But how have you been dealing it, dealing with it uh, through well, the pandemic? I, um, and you're my close friend, so let, let's talk. Let's talk the talk here. I, I was immobilized for a few months. I was blocked. Um, I was frozen. I, I could not create um, because it, it this hit me kind of strong uh, in you know emotionally I guess and at the end after a few months what I learned it was to relax because uh, of course everything stopped or, or, or slowed down. So I didn't have to put myself in such a predicament of like, okay, I do my so many hours in here and I do this and I do that. And then I have to go downstairs and create. And the thing was that, that, uh, that was blocked. So it was very hard for me to push myself and go back to my studio and say, okay, this is enough. Um, whatever you do, you know, it doesn't have to be your best work. You're going to do something five minutes at a time. 
and and slowly i got there and and i learned uh i guess to be a little more patient still dealing with anxiety but <laughs> yeah yeah i think if i think if you deal with it you're always dealing with it but those are good ways to be so in the vein of advice I love to ask as my final question, if there's one piece of advice that has really helped you through your life and your career that you can share with us today, maybe this is even more significant considering it's coming up so closely <laughs> on your birthday as you look back. <laughs> no. Well, I would say trust yourself, which it doesn't come easy, you know, you know, it comes for me, it, it came with time, right? Because uh, I'm my, my worst, cri my worst critic. Uh, but uh, trust yourself and keep investigating, uh, investigate different ways, it kind of like, do something that make you uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, get out of that comfort zone because that's kind of like the way to to grow. Uh, and, and I'm not just saying about career, but uh, you know, on a personal level, always keep investigating, trying to move a little bit sideways to see how it feels. I think that's terrific advice. Virginia, I love you. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. 